Well, it's another beautiful day in central Iowa. It's September the 14th and time for your midweek connection. Wednesday was our kickoff for our Wednesday night ministries, and that is for our new ministry year. And as predicted, it was crazy. I mean, crazy good. Here's the rundown. In Awana, we had 161 kids and 65 adult workers. In our youth group, we had 46 teens and eight adult workers. In our adult Bible study, we had 13 adults participating. And in our Wednesday suppers, we had 146 people enjoying a meal. Wow, that is a lot of people. Now, I said we had 146 people enjoying a good meal, and that's not quite true. You see, um, we had last week about 50 people more scheduled to eat than had actually signed up. <laughs> and as I did on Sunday, I'll do it again. I throw myself under the bus. I was one of those who ate and didn't sign up. And you know what that meant? Well, that meant that we ran out of food. <laughs> we ran out of food. Jane and her crew, they tried hard to make the loaves and the fishes stretch, but they don't have the same miracle working power that Jesus has, so <laughs> they fell short. And the point that I want to make with that is simply this, is that uh, we need, I need, <laughs> to use the registration link that comes each Friday in the eblast to sign up for that coming week's meal. And that will help the kitchen crew to know exactly how many to plan for. The deadline is noon on each Monday, and so let's help our kitchen crew on Wednesday by letting them know how many of us they can expect on a given week to participate in the Wednesday suppers. And I know that will be a blessing to them and it'll be a blessing to others because they won't come to the counter and find out it's all gone. <laughs> Men's ministry kickoff is this coming Saturday morning at 8 a.m. There's going to be a great breakfast. There's going to be fellowship. Pastor Brett's going to bring a devotional from God's word. I'm going to be there and I hope to see you there as well. Women's ministry kickoff was rescheduled to next Thursday, September the 22nd at 6.30 p.m. in the community room. Now, I know that many of you had already registered, but we need you to do it again. We need you to RSVP so that we can know how many to expect. Again, for some of you who registered, it might not work for this coming week. We need to know how many are coming. So if you can do that, um, we'd appreciate it. There'll be a place in this week's email block, excuse me, email blast, uh, or you can call the church office to register. Finally, visitation for Troy Shreves will be held at TMC tomorrow from 5 to 8 p.m. A celebration of life service will be held on Friday, September the 16th at 10.30 p.m. Excuse me. Friday, September the 16th at 10.30 a.m. 
Make sure we've got that. Please be in prayer for Twyla and Josh and Caleb and the family and friends as they grieve Troy's passing. Well, that's all I have for this week's announcements. Let's now turn our attention to the spiritual focus. Well, recently I had the occasion to have a conversation about the law. Now, I'm not talking about the Mosaic law right now. I'm talking about the law of our land, the law of the state, city law, otherwise known as the code. (laughs) Well, some folks were commenting to me how they thought that certain city codes are ridiculous. Um, They don't make any sense. And why would anyone make a law like that? Well, I must admit that when I take time to consider certain laws, (laughs) they don't make sense to me either. I either just don't like them, or I find them inconvenient, or I just cannot see the logic in them. Now, that's what my lower self, (laughs) my flesh, thinks. But my higher self, my spirit connected to God, can actually take a step back and, and see how laws, even ones I don't like, or ones that make my life difficult, are actually for the common good even if they make my life harder. Now, here's something that is true about the law. And as I talk about the law, I'm still talking about city codes. The law has no feelings. It does not bend to logic. It says what it says, and it demands that we live according to its standard. Now, we can argue with it. We can try to reason with it. We can even threaten it, but it will not budge. It is the standard. And unless we fall in line with it, there will be negative consequences to deal with. Well, the same is true about God's law. God's law has no feelings. It does not take into account what we call extenuating circumstances. It sets the standard, and then it demands that everyone who is under its jurisdiction, and that's all of us, comply with its demands. (laughs) Now, you may be wondering about now, where is this going? Okay, let's get there. This reality that I have just brought to your attention is the reason that Jesus had to die. Are you aware of that? People ask all the time, why did Jesus have to die? And here's the answer. Jesus had to die because God's law demanded death for those who violated his law. Now you say, Jesus never violated God's law. And you're right. He never violated God's law. In fact, he became the only man who ever fully kept God's law. We looked at this verse last Sunday, Romans chapter 10, verse 4, where it says, For Christ, that is Jesus, is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, the reason that Jesus is the end of the law is because he fulfilled it. And that was his stated purpose. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill them. So, Jesus fulfilled the entirety of God's law. But did you ever stop to think that Jesus' death on the cross was part of fulfilling or satisfying God's law? 
When God created man, he gave him only one command, or can we say one law. He said, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you do, you will surely die. Now, God's law set the standard. You can do whatever your hearts desire, but don't eat of the forbidden fruit. And if you do, the consequence is death, eternal death. So the fulfillment of God's law in this case required death. Now, it would either be the eternal death of every human who lives, or it would be the death of a unique human, one who is 100% God and 100% human, who then stands in the place of cursed humanity to absorb the eternal death that sin demands as our substitute. And that is why Jesus had to die. He had to die because God's plan for humanity was life, eternal life, not, not eternal death. And since humanity put itself under the curse of eternal death, Jesus in his flesh had to absorb the wrath of the Father for sin and die in our place. Jesus had to die because the law could not be reasoned with. It could not be circumvented by logic. It could not be threatened. By necessity, God's law had to stand. So Jesus left the glories of heaven. He temporarily laid aside the independent use of his divine attributes to become human and fulfilled his own law, even to the point of death, so that eternal life could be made possible for those he came to save. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sake he, that is, God the Father, made him, God the Son, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, God the Son, we might become the righteousness of God. A God's law, it is the righteous standard that we must meet if we're going to be in right relationship with him. There is no argument, no logic, no negotiation, no threatening. We are either fulfilling the law or we're breaking the law. And what we know is that we're all, in fact, breaking it. The law, in this case, is cold. It is unwilling to bend. But I praise the Lord, he's not cold. In his righteousness, he could not bend the law, but he could fulfill it to the point of death and then rise from death with new eternal life. And he could then extend his grace to all who would repent and believe. Those of us who have received this unbelievable gift are blessed beyond measure because none of us deserve it. It is truly a matter of grace. So I ask, has God's grace fallen on you? If not, is he convicting your heart of your need for Jesus? His death on the cross for sin and his resurrection to new life? If you sense his working in your heart, won't you yield to that working? Won't you confess your sin? Won't you put your full trust and faith in Jesus? He fulfilled the law at every point so that your violation of his law and my violation of his law 
could be removed by his righteousness covering our unrighteousness. Friend, I would be more than happy to talk with you. I'd be more than happy to open the Bible and answer your questions and pray with you. My contact information is on the screen, and I trust that you'll give me, if you have questions, that you'll give me an opportunity to share with you the good news of God's grace, the gospel that has been made available to each of us. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to talk about Jesus, his death, his resurrection for sin, and how we sinners can come uh, into his righteousness through repentance and faith. Lord, those of us who are listening to this uh, midweek connection, who, who are yours, we rejoice in your love and grace toward us. But Lord, we also pray for those who have yet to enjoy that. And we pray that they would believe, that they would trust in Christ and find his righteousness covering their unrighteousness and thus fulfilling your law for them. Lord, may they be saved and may they reach out if they have questions. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this Sunday, we're going to be in Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. And the title is a little bit different, okay? Here's the title. The message title is, No Christ, or excuse me, No to Christ, No to Faith. You say, where does that title come from? Well, that was the position of Israel. It's the position of so many in our world today. But the righteousness of Jesus comes to us when we say yes to Christ and yes to faith. I look forward to our time together on Sunday. God bless. Have a great week.